Hello, Alex. Thank you so Hi, much Lydia. for taking time off your busy schedule. Just very short notice and you're here with us to share your wisdom. So very warm welcome to you. And we're Thanks excited so to have pleasure. you here. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks, Lydia. Right. So you've, you've had a vibrant career of 17 years, starting with six years as a parliamentary correspondent in the UK. And then mm. you then moved to Bangkok where you taught English for a while. And then you moved, eventually moved into the recruitment space. And today you are the Director of Recruitment Operations at RLC Recruitment in Bangkok. So it's right. an exciting time to be in, in, in this industry, as we were just talking about earlier. So perhaps you could walk us through your journey in your own words. What drew you to recruitment? And maybe describe a little bit about what you do in your role today. Okay. Um, well, I was working in an English language school, and I was the manager of the uh, education center. And I've never in my life done sales before. And I started to get involved in sales. And I realized that, you know, if you go into sales with a kind of a pure heart, like you want to help people, it's quite rewarding. And they didn't pay me enough. So <laughs> re recruitment was a natural step because um, I got to join in, in a company where I had the opportunity to make a lot of money. At the time, I'm in my early 30s. And you know, it's a time when I'm not partying as much. I'm starting to get ready to settle down. And yeah, so recruitment was a, a perfect step for me. Um, to answer your question about what I do at RLC, mm. uh, it's probably better to say what I don't do. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I take care of all our recruitment operations. Um, I take care of our ATS systems and all of our technology. Um, I help manage all of the staff. I take care of our process of recruitment. Um, whether that just be contingent, um, executive search, or maybe some exclusive work or projects that we do. Um, I recruit. Uh, I evaluate tech partners. We're, you know, we, we love technology here. We want to uh, invest in technology all the time. Um, I do a lot of our business development along with our MD. And from time to time, I actually sleep. <laughs> Good to know. Especially in the last two years, you do a lot in your current role. Uh, yeah. And the last two years, especially, you have spent at RLC, where you do all these things. And it also coincided with the pandemic. So what are the, some of the highlights or wins uh, or anything, any kind of insight you would like to share with us uh, in your experience the last two years? Yeah, I mean, what I would say, first of all, is the pandemic was tough for so many people. Right? When I joined the company, it, I was here for two months. I got married and then COVID hit. So going into new business, it was, it was tough, but I'm quite proud to say that, you know, one of my tasks was to disrupt the recruitment market by using the RLC secret source. And I'm very happy to say, you know, we've done that and we're continuing to do it. Um, 2021 was one of our most profitable years in business and we've been around for 10 years. So to do that throughout the pandemic, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, another very big highlight for us was be, being able to become PDPA compliant um, before the laws changed in Thailand. So we we haven't printed a resume uh, or downloaded resumes for about a year now at this company. How long did that process take, though? Oh, a long time. It took us. Uh, so we had our office manager at the time had to attend many webinars and seminars. Um, and then for me, I had to work on the operation to see how we could implement that internally. And with our ATS partner, we were able to, to make that work. 
An RLC is in the talent space for manufacturing, engineering, and logistics and supply chain. And you yourself are in executive are uh, in the executive search space. Yep. So I saw one report showing that um, CEO turnover uh, was also uh, high last year, uh, together with the great resignation and everything else. So any thought of any thoughts around this uh, within the context of Thailand and maybe the Southeast Asian region? Yeah, so um, I think in Southeast Asia, things are a little bit different, but in Thailand particularly, I think the, the great resignation was a little bit of a myth. Mm. Uh, I think uh, for, for Thai companies and some of the multinationals that were here, they're quite hesitant to make big changes, particularly with the integration of work from home, um, trying to bring in a senior executive you know, in, into a workforce where they're, they're not meeting the staff face-to-face. I think they were a bit worried that things would go wrong. But as we're coming out of the pandemic now, well, I think we are, <laughs> things are going a bit crazy. And there's lots of companies that are starting to make changes or CEOs that are evaluating you know, their, their time in their organizations. Yeah. So in, on that note, more companies are changing the way they operate now that it's mm-hmm. post-COVID or rather the recovery phase or the reopening phase, uh, what it, whichever way you want to uh, label that. But with hybrid work and more and more people becoming hyper-connected, how should recruiters maybe be thinking about hiring the right talent? Okay, well, I think first of all, uh, we kind of shifted to be more transactional mm-hmm. since the pandemic. And people think that you know, uh, messaging on LinkedIn or just having a phone call can't be enough. But I think more importantly than ever, you should be having at least video calls with your candidates and making sure, if possible, you can meet them. Um, in the past, I think candidates maybe didn't have as much choice as they do now. Mm. And one of the things, um, I, I follow a thought leader called Greg Savage. Uh, I think it's fantastic. And he uses a metric which is called motivation to accept. So I think now, not only do we need to evaluate that the candidate is the right match for our clients, we need to evaluate if our clients are the right match for the candidate. And more importantly, we need to know that they have the motivation to accept another offer. Because you can, if you get further down the line and you find out that the candidate was just seeing what was out there, mm. then there's a lot of chance that it could go wrong. And I think at offer stage now, this is where we're seeing, if offers are turned down, it's about 80% of the time because we didn't check that motivation. How do you go about doing that? How do you check that motivation? Well, you really need to dig deeper on, on what their motivations are. Why do they want to move? So, for example, if you have a senior person that's been imposed for one year, are they wanting to move because there are company problems? Are they wanting to get a higher salary? What is their real motivation to move? Is it to enhance their career or is it for more money? There's lots of different things you can do, but if you're just doing a telephone screening call, it's pretty impossible to get that. So, you know, the way that I interview is I do a mixture of the company-based interview, and then I really test them all of their motivation, and I personalize things. You know, I like to get to know people and learn about their personal circumstances and, and why we're even talking in the first place. For companies that are looking to partner with an agency, for instance, what might be some of the ways that they can get? I know you've written about this before. What might be some ways that they can get the best results from a recruitment partner? Okay, well, I think it depends on the company, but a lot of people, they just want the end result. Mm. But what 
a lot of companies don't realize is what a recruiter goes through to get to that end result. So being in a partnership with a recruiter, you should be asking for deeper market insight. So, for example, if you want us to head on from your competitor, you should be asking questions. What is What are our competitors doing? Right. What are our competitors paying? Now, when a client retains your services, we have the ability to do that. When they don't, it becomes more of a speed game. So there's a lot more flexibility. We can provide data. We can even analyze the recruitment, hiring lead times. Um, we can do a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I think for the, the, the myth is that um, executive search costs more. Actually, it doesn't because you're getting so much more for your money. So I think um, one of the things that I love to do in recruitment is I like to solve complex challenges. So a lot of people have specialisms, like I'm a finance specialist, I'm a law specialist, I'm an engineering specialist. For me, I'm a problem-solving specialist. That's what I love to do. Mm -hmm. So when I get down to sit with the CEO and I can pick their brains and they can tell me their problems, then if I can solve that problem, then that's something which is personally rewarding to me. There are many... uh solutions such as this when you're problem solving you would probably be also looking at some of the trends that might be coming up in the future so for recruiters in the executive search space like yourself what might be some of the trends that they should prepare for in the near future yeah so um last year i actually attended a a course at cornell university and with some of the let's say the leading talent acquisition people in the world so you have people from general motors in the usa you have people from Palo Alto IT, like the global heads of talent acquisition. Um, so I got to learn a lot about what was happening in the US market particularly. Mm-hmm. And two main topics were, well, the first was about global mobility. So moving senior people across countries, mm-hmm. is this going to be something which is so easy to do in the future? Um, will there be able to be directors that can direct staff from other countries? Um, and also when it comes to global mobility, it's the issues to do with packages because people still want to be paid, but are they going to be paid less because they're not in country? Um, this is a big challenge that will come up pretty soon, I'm, I'm sure about. Um, second is, is about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. Um, in, in the course that I did, uh, they said that 56% of American CEOs rate diversity, equity, and inclusion as their number one topic. Um, to address within their workforces. And I think for Thailand, it's a it's a very tricky subject mm-hmm. because Thailand is essentially like a one-race country and there's so many jobs which foreigners can't do or people from different nationalities. But then you've got the difference in equality between male and female. And one of the things that we found with the pandemic is that a lot of women that work from home they don't want to come back to the office, uh, to the office, because you know maybe the family situation. They get to spend time with their children, mm. uh, and it's how companies really deal with that. And I think for RLC particularly, this is something that we've we've personally addressed. You know, we've made our workforce a safe place for people of different religions, sex, gender. It doesn't matter. Uh, we would welcome everybody. I guess this is where employer branding becomes very strong. Uh, especially now when, when expectations are changing. So what might be the role of employer branding to so that companies are well positioned to attract the best executive talent? Yeah, I think in the past, the way companies went, went about hiring some of their senior people is that those people had to prove they were good enough to be within the company. 
but it's changed now. The company has to prove that they're good enough for the candidate to join. Mm-hmm. So if a, if an employer is going into an interview it, as a sort of interrogation, it's not going to work. They need to be showing why this person should be joining them as well. And work on EVP is crucial. So, for example, if a company has sustainability goals, if a company has uh, diversity goals, if they, you know, if they want to make equal pay across the organization, they should be using this in their EVP because for millennials particularly, it's a, it's a high source of attraction. Millennials and Gen Z uh, yeah. preparing to enter the workforce, right? Yeah, for sure. It's 2022 now. We're halfway through. We're going to end it soon. Uh, but it's safe to say that any company today and maybe in the in um, the past few years has become or should be a tech company. So mm-hmm. what would you say are maybe some of the challenges, maybe top three challenges facing tech recruitment today and what might be the solution around it? Okay. So in RLC, I actually run the tech desk as well. Mm-hmm. And we've made a conscious decision now to stop hiring junior to mid-level developers because the the request for these people is just gone boom we cannot find enough good candidates so clients will come back to us and say you know they're not good enough or they want too much money Mm -hmm. and the candidates have got so much choice that they don't care they will just pick whatever out of the six or seven opportunities they've got and this makes us fail more often than we like Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that our clients are happy and they're not going to be. So rather than upset our clients, we're saying, look, we love to support you on other positions, but the junior mid-level, we're done. And I think you'll find a lot more companies following our trend. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, you know, there are some recruitment companies with, which are quite unique where they put a board on the, their wall and they have 20 recruiters and say, go for it, try and place it. Mm-hmm. but the chances of it going wrong is, is so hard. So I think the first is about the, the talent shortage in the country. Mm-hmm. But the second biggest problem is that neighboring countries know that Thailand is cheaper. So now they're starting to pick the talent as well. Yeah. So that's the second one. Um, and I guess maybe a, another uh, challenge facing, facing tech recruitment is the uh, language skill of, of Thai candidates. Um, I think it's getting a lot, lot better. Um, but English proficiency in Southeast Asia, Thailand ranks still as one of the lowest. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really tricky um, to get the the, vast, uh, the the volume of candidates that, that are needed. Yeah, we spoke quite a bit about the challenges on uh, different parts, not just uh, not just uh, tech recruitment, but also uh, the overall challenges when it comes to the changing ways that companies operate. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about automation tools in the market for recruiters, such as yeah. our solution in Manatao. What kind of impact do you think these technologies and tools would have on the recruitment process? Okay, well, I think first of all, when automation was mentioned, a lot of recruiters were like, oh, we're going to be replaced. Okay. We couldn't use automation tools. But when I joined uh, this company, RLC, uh, I looked at the way things were done and it was too manual. And we were wasting lots of hours on administrative tasks, which I thought didn't offer much value. Mm. Um, and I came from a bigger company that used to have departments to do things. So they had an English checking department. They had um, a department to do your resume. They had a department to do this, to do that. In here, we didn't have that luxury. 
So we've utilized all of our ATS systems and our technology to remove pretty much all of the admin that we previously did. Um, and what that's enabled us to do is to have a lot more time to spend with the people that matter, who are our candidates and our clients. How many hours do you think you spent on manual tasks? Oh, God. Uh, I think it was uh, probably over 15 hours a week that some of the staff were spending on admin tasks. And where's that 15 now? All reinvested into client time, candidate time? Back into our candidate clients, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the candidate experience. Mm-hmm. What would you say, in your experience so far, are some of the ways recruiters can ensure that candidate care is taken care of? Uh, mm-hmm. Or there is candidate care throughout the recruitment process? Okay. So I think what we strive to do as a business is to get back to every candidate to say whether they've been successful or they're unsuccessful. But I think the biggest key is to have multiple touch points throughout the process. So unfortunately, lots of recruitment is transactional and we're busy. You know, we have lots of different tasks to do. But if you interview a candidate and you only speak to them at interview stage and offer stage, how are they going to relate to you? How are they going to trust you? How are they going to reveal to you some of the problems in the process? It won't happen. So what I tend to do with my staff is we have our first call. We have a follow-up call to tell them about the company. We we have a follow-up call to tell them about the interview. We follow up to make sure they're at the interview. After they had the interview, we follow up to see how the interview went. And before we get to that offer stage, we've had seven, eight, nine touch points mm. where now this candidate really buys into what we're what we're doing. And if it goes wrong, we then give the candidate true feedback and guidance on what they can do next time. Um, and what this has really led to is, you know, a candidate could be rejected for their first job, but when we recontact them, we've done such a good job, they trust us, and then we can place them in the second time around. I believe such a, such touch points and also that valuable feedback that you give candidates, they, they result in, in a relationship that goes beyond just a job opening, I suppose. But when it comes to touch points, it doesn't mean we have to arrange phone calls. I mean, we've got modern technology where we can have some automation tools, maybe, but you've got Line, um, which is the social media app that we use in Thailand, WhatsApp. And I think if you have a mixture between email, phone, WhatsApp, then it can still maintain that engagement. And ultimately, if there's the opportunity to meet them face to face, then of course, we would try to do that too. So, Alex, you've had vast experience in the recruitment space. Remember, you've also seen some of the most challenging periods in recruitment. So what advice would you give uh, to someone starting out in recruitment today? Okay, join RLC. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I would say um, be ready for disappointment. You know, unfortunately, uh, we are... The, the classic middle people. We are not the final decision makers. So we are the people that open doors and give opportunities. And you have to realize that is our job. We cannot force people to take jobs. We can equally not force our clients to accept candidates to take the jobs. Our job is to guide, motivate, and, and basically um, share with our candidates why this could be a good opportunity for them. If the candidate ultimately decides it's not, there's nothing we can do. And we have to be able to accept that. And that's a hard part of recruitment because you can do everything right and it can still go wrong. Um, From a business development standpoint, you'll hear the word no more than yes. 
but you shouldn't be downhearted because you know you will get those yeses if you keep doing the right thing and i think also never think about the money as the you know i'm working on this deal i hope i make this much money because ultimately it will go wrong if you think like that because you'll think with you know a greedy heart let's say <laughs> so if you focus on helping the clients and doing the the right thing for the candidate you will make the money and you will be successful and it's a rewarding career too seeing people move forward uh because you've had yeah. a part to play in it as well you know when you see somebody who you put in maybe in a junior managerial position and now they're a director at the company mm. or they're a director that's grown the business 30% in a year or something like that and i've been that person that put that person in the job it it does feel fantastic excellent thank you so much alex i wish we could speak longer but you know we have to wrap up and it's been a great pleasure to have you on the show thanks for making the time uh, i'm you. sure the audience would want to know more about you and rlc where can they look you up okay so look me up on linkedin my name is alexander grant uh, you can find us at rlc-asia.com a uh, new website will be launched soon uh, which i'm very excited about And uh, yeah feel free to message me if you just want to say hi or if you're looking for uh, a job in recruitment yourself. So thank you Lydia it's been a pleasure. Excellent. And we have been speaking with Alexander Grant who is the Director of Recruitment Operations at RLC Recruitment in Thailand. Do look out for future podcasts from All in Recruitment and stay tuned for our next videos. Thank you.